What is the state of Opportunity Zones from the perspective of the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council, now one year into its mission? Find out as I catch up with Scott Turner, Executive Director of the Council, next on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. What is the White House doing to promote Opportunity Zones? That'll be the topic of today's conversation. And joining me to discuss this is Executive Director of the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council, Scott Turner. Scott joins us today from his home office in Dallas, Texas. Scott, thank you for your time today and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate you having me. I really appreciate you joining me. I know you're a busy man and it's great that our listeners have the chance to hear from you directly. So first time we talked, Scott, about a year ago, a little over a year ago now, you were new. You you were new to the position. The council was new. Uh, now you've got about a year under your belt. You've been together a little more than a year. The council has. How has the council evolved over the last year? What, what have you seen take place? Well, Jimmy, thank you. Uh, and that's a, that's a great uh, question. And thank you to all the listeners of the podcast and your involvement and inside of Opportunity Zones. The council has been tremendous. As you know, we have a total of 17 agency partners on the council, 15 federal and then three state and uh, regional partners. And since the last time I was with you, we have uh, toured and been to over 60 cities across the country and hosting roundtable convenings with stakeholders from various groups, be it elected officials and finance people, business owners, entrepreneurs, faith leaders, education leaders, really all to come together at the table and talk about, you know, what is the pain of the community? What's the history of the community? And then to ideate really and collaborate together about, hey, what is the strategy for revitalization and the potential and the long-term vision for the community? And I will say, man, I have been very humbled I'm just encouraged. Uh, every trip that I've taken to all of the cities that I've been to, to be able to sit at the table with these various stakeholder groups and partners and talk about the community and, and look at the strategy and, and have a vision together. Uh, I wish that everyone in our country could just witness that and partake in that um, just one time. I believe that it would be very encouraged. Uh, about just the, how innovative and creative people are in this country, really the resolve of the citizens inside of our distressed communities of America, Jimmy, um, that have you know been adversely um, affected through the years, um, be it from a poverty standpoint, or uh, be it from a crime standpoint, or, or a low income standpoint, but just the resolve and just the spirit of the people in this country uh, so when you ask about how has the council evolved, you know, we have evolved because of the American people that we've been with, you know, and it's, it's been an excellent journey thus far. That's phenomenal that you've been able to visit so many cities. I know when we first talked, you had only visited a handful. Now, a year later, over 60 cities that you've held these roundtable discussions at uh, across this listening tour. Pull the curtain back a little bit more. Maybe you've got 
one or two good stories, some anecdotes that you've heard from from some of these community stakeholders? What 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 what, what kind of stories do you have to share with us? Maybe one or two. The last trip I went on was to Coachville, Pennsylvania, and Coachville is a town, you know, just a hard hat, blue collar, you know, industrial town in Pennsylvania. And we went there and hosted a roundtable with the mayor, and we had 12 agency partners represented in Coachville, PA. And just the excitement and the gratitude of the people there in Coachville. We begin to speak about uh, Coachville and go on tours of Opportunity Zone projects. And one in particular business there where they have repurposed a building in Coachville and are building it out inside of Opportunity Zone to house and to train and to nurture and incubate, if you will, young people that have inventions and things that they've created, you know, new invention and manufacturing. And this is in Coachville. And I just spoke to the owner of that building and the business. And she says, Scott, we are moving ahead and forging ahead. And the visit by the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council really spurred the people and invigorated the people here in Coachville to action. And so that's one. And in Colorado Springs, you know, they're doing a tremendous job of partnering together and building a coalition throughout the region uh, inside of Opportunity Zones to create new businesses and to spur economic development. Birmingham, Alabama, as I spoke about before, um, has done a tremendous job. Uh, In Cleveland, Ohio, and in places in Georgia, High Point, North Carolina, I mean, the stories go on and on. And I would say we just finished our best practices report and gave it to the president where these stories and anecdotes and examples uh, will be made public here very soon on our uh, website, opportunityzones.gov. But you can also see our one-year report there to the president and read about the action uh, of the council. And I think it will really encourage people and teach people as well about what we've been uh, up to. Excellent. Yeah, I'll be sure to link to those reports in the show notes for today's episode as well. What's been the, the biggest challenge for you, Scott? and for the council over that first year dealing with these Opportunity Zone communities? You know, I I consider everything that we do uh, a plus in the sense of I don't look at things negatively and say, oh, you know, that's just a huge challenge. You know, things that are challenging to me, Jamie, uh, are opportunities, things such as the amount of travel, you know, and me having the desire to get to everyone across the country, you know, and and that's a challenge in a sense of, you know, we have a big country and we have 8,700 plus opportunity zones. Uh, So that's one of the major challenges is just to travel and get into people. Uh, But we have been doing an extraordinary job and people have been very welcoming. Uh, I think another one is, you know, to help people understand the importance of the opportunity zone legislation to understand the spirit of the law and the spirit of the council. You know, when I say that's a challenge, meaning that that is something that I myself and our team, that we uh, we shout from the rooftops, you know, the spirit of it and the purpose of it and the strategy and the long-term vision of it, you know. And I know people sometimes get tired of hearing me say it, but I'm going to keep saying it because I believe in it and I know that it's working and that it's true. Uh, You know, but one thing I do want to highlight, you know, there's been questions, you know, really every city we go to about the 
the zones that were chosen or can we expand the zones or, you know, can we redo the zones? And so it's challenging in that sense that people, you know, they don't, they don't know. And so when I have to come and say, Hey, you know, they've been certified for 10 years and we got to do the very best we can, you know, with the ones that we do have. Uh, but that's a question that I get uh, a lot, but as far as this challenges, man, not all opportunities to me. There, there have been some pieces of legislation brought forth recently that have called for expanding the number of zones like the questions that you get from people i get those questions too i get i get people i had somebody email me just earlier this morning hey i've got this property how do i make it an opportunity zone i have to tell them that that ship has sailed unfortunately but there are some pieces of legislation being introduced that would call for for just that do you support the potential expansion of opportunity zones or does the white house support it potentially you know I support things that are done the right way. I think that the way that we have done it thus far has worked in a tremendous manner. You know, when I see governors or state leaders and territory leaders that, you know, are asking these questions, obviously, you know, I have a heart for them and I understand why they're asking. But I I think that, you know, if we expand them in the proper way to give opportunity for more economic growth, and more entrepreneurship um, inside of distressed communities whereby the benefit is in the distressed community. Yes, of course, I support that. Good. President Trump, he's a very polarizing figure, of course, but he's been a very vocal supporter of Opportunity Zones uh, from early on. I'm, I'm curious, Scott, for you, what's he like behind closed doors? And what's it like working with him on this? Man, it's tremendous. He is an adamant supporter of Opportunity Zones, and he is a tremendous support for the work that we do. And how you see him vocally and in public about Opportunity Zones, he's the same way in private. And he is like, you know, whatever we need to do, however, I can support you all in Opportunity Zones, you know, obviously done the right way and keeping in the spirit of the law and making sure that the um, that is impacting those on whom we wanted to impact. He's a hundred percent behind it, you know. And so, you know, I say all this. He's very supportive, you know, very publicly and behind closed doors, you know. And so, that really makes my assignment and my job that much more delightful, you know, because he believes in what we're doing. You know, I operate under a presidential executive order as the executive director, and so that's a great privilege and very humbling for me to do so, you know. So he's a hundred percent supportive. Uh, of the mission. And he wants to see it succeed for the long term, you know, for have a generational impact. That's his heart behind it. Good. It's, it must be, must feel good to have your boss 100% behind you on, on that, I'm sure. In your opinion, Scott, do you feel that the Opportunity Zone incentive is being used as much as it should be right now? I feel, I get the sense that in many ways, there's still this being a relatively new program and the regulations only having been finalized about five or six months ago, that that public awareness of this program still hasn't really taken hold like it should. Do, do you feel like there's more that could be done with Opportunity Zones? And how do you think adoption can become more widespread? Yes, I always feel like there should be done, that more could be done, Jimmy. I mean, I just, but that's the type of person I am, you know, and I think, you know, to be satisfied with what's been done, I think, is a mistake. I'm content in the sense of I'm, I'm grateful for 
the work that has been done thus far. But I know in my heart of hearts that more will be and more should be and must be done. Uh, and I'm grateful for Dan Kowalski and the people there at Treasury for getting the rules uh, and the regulations finalized. That was a huge help and gave a lot of clarity. And I would encourage people, you know, hey, the green light is here. You know, it's time to go. It's time to move. And, you know, but a, a positive and a very encouraging thing is there's been tens of billions of dollars that have been invested inside of qualified opportunity funds into qualified opportunity zone projects, businesses, you know, retail, housing, and thus far. So I'm very encouraged about, you know, the amount of investment, you know, that has been made thus far. And I think we're just scratching the tip of the iceberg. I think there's a lot more uh, to be done and that will be done. And as far as the public awareness, we just have to keep telling the story. And I'm grateful for you, Jimmy, you know, and, and, and having these times of interviews and educating people like you do and telling the story. And that's what we need more of. We need more ambassadors and more advocates, you know, to speak about the initiative and to speak about, you know, the just the, the powerful mission, you know, that it is that could really be a catalyst of, of growth and, you know, both from an economic standpoint and a social impact standpoint for our country. So I encourage people, you know, keep shouting it, you know, keep living it, keep investing, keep building. Uh, man, because you're talking about people that have dreams, but they don't have access to resources. Those people are now being, you know, are, are coming to the forefront and being part of the team and starting businesses. Man, that's what America, you know what, Jim, right now, I literally in my hand am holding an American flag uh, in my hand. Just a small little wooden, you know, uh, uh, American flag that I put in, in, our, in my wife's flower pot. And it just reminds me, man, of why I'm doing this. And it's for our country, you know. And so I'm grateful for how well it's going. And I'm grateful and excited to see how much more we will do. Oh, that, that, that's great, Scott. That's great to hear. And that's, that's my mission is, you know, at both OpportunityDB.com and, and my advisory service business at OZ Pros is to make the benefits of this Opportunity Zone legislation as accessible as possible to really help right. those small business entrepreneurs that are the backbone of, of our nation's economy. Uh, you know, that's that's my whole intent is to help these people actually do Opportunity Zones, actually actually participate in them. That's right. I, I know you're short on time today, Scott. I got just an, uh, one more question for you. Just an update, if you could. Uh, when, when, you, when the council was first introduced, your first paper introduced a five-leg work stream. Maybe you can give just a quick update on each one. And the, the five legs being economic development, entrepreneurship, safe neighborhoods, education, workforce development, and finally, measurement and analysis. If, if you could give a brief update on each one of those, that'd be great. Right. And, you know, I would encourage people to go to the website, opportunitiezones.gov, and read about each one of those pillars and read about the resources that are available from the different agencies we have it broken down into those five work streams really four work streams and then you know measurement and analysis from cea but to go to the to the website and study those work streams because one is very educational two you can see what resources are coming up or what resources are available you know inside of those work streams for your business or for your opportunity zone project uh, which i think will be very very helpful and as you know, man, and uh, I think it was April 22nd, the president expanded. He asked Secretary Carson, as the chairman of the council, to expand and broaden the vision, the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council, to encompass the whole 
of the distressed communities, including opportunity zones. And this is post-COVID to help with the recovery of America. So those five pillars that you see are yet still active. They're still in place, but everything has been broadened now uh, with the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council to help and to protect uh, distressed communities in the recovery uh, of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that Opportunity Zones can be a focal point in the COVID-19 recovery efforts. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Scott, thank you so much for your time today. You're a busy man, so I'm going to let you go. And you've already told our listeners they can go to opportunitiezones.gov, and there you can learn a lot more about the different resources that the White House and the federal government have collaborated on uh, to provide for whether you're an Opportunity Zone fund or a business or another community stakeholder, you can find out everything that the White House is doing there at OpportunityZones.gov. And I, I believe you can find the list of, of grants uh, that may be available as well. Is, is that right, Scott? Yes, sir. Uh, very good, Scott. And for our listeners out there today, I will have show notes for today's episode available on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can head over to OpportunityDB.com slash podcast, and there I'll have links to all of the resources that Scott and I discussed on today's show. Scott, again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, Jimmy. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund Investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.